Yes, indeed. We do need a revolution. And, you know, we're going to bring it on. We, we're going to have a revolution of health, of freedom, of just being proud Americans, uh, looking at some crazy stuff going, going on. Hello, everybody out there. This is Bernadette on an Inform Life radio on 1150 AM KKNW. Uh, I want to start off saying that, you know, just a few minutes ago, I heard the the craziest thing um and it was it was a video of several very public figures former presidents and such saying that yeah if tony fauci says that the covid 19 vaccines are safe and effective i'm gonna get it and i mean i don't think i've heard anything more scientifically absurd in my life if this was normal times those covid 19 vaccines would still be in animal model trials we, they wouldn't even gotten to the first humans yet. And it is impossible, impossible to know the safety of a product that has only been in, used in humans for a couple weeks, couple months, right? Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. the, the phase three trials, uh, you know, after the second injection, as soon as 150 got COVID symptoms somewhere in their, you know, tens of thousands of people, they unblinded it and declared it success. What? You know, it's really, really scary. And then for public health figures, it's highly irresponsible to try to use these measures. In fact, here in Washington state, it's happening everywhere. All of the machinery that is established to promote vaccination, to dispel vaccine hesitancy, and to assure people that these products are safe and effective is being ratcheted up, put on steroids about COVID-19 vaccines. What? How on earth can they use that language and that machinery to try to compel, coerce people to choose an experimental product? When you choose to get this product, you are entering a clinical trial. Worse than that, though, it's a clinical trial and the product has been fully indemnified. The vaccine makers and those who inject them have been given full liability protection under the PrEP Act, the Emergency Preparedness Act, which is even worse than the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act. Um, and nobody's responsible for injury. Nobody's going to know what's happening. We have not good, ha we don't have an active adverse event tracking system in place to make sure moving forward, we know who is injured, you know, and these are brand new technologies never used in human beings ever before. And they have not disclosed the full ingredients to us. We don't even have the actual data on the phase three trials that they completed, the interim um, results. We don't even have all the data. All of this talk is on the press releases from the companies whose CEOs and board members have been cashing out their stock, basically. Okay, so I just wanna ask everybody to please take a deep breath. There's no need to rush and get an experimental product. Do your research, go to informedchoicewa.org. And you know we've got a ton of information there. Go to Children's Health Defense, a lot of information there. And we're posting on mainstream scientists here and MDs who are very concerned and they are filing things. Let me just read you a couple of things and then we're gonna go to our guest here because we have an amazing guest. So um, there has been an international consortium of life scientists. They performed extensive review of this pivotal study on which the use of PCR tests 
to diagnose you know, the presence of SARS-CoV-2 and just call something a case. It's based on this. They analyzed this study and they found 10 critical fatal flaws in it. And their final conclusion, this is very technical and they have been, they submitted it to the European um, agency, um, but it pertains to all PCR tests being used, even here in the United States. This is their final conclusion. In light of our re-examination of the test protocol to identify SARS-CoV-2 described in the Corman-Drosten paper, we have identified concerning errors and inherent fallacies which render the SARS-CoV-2 PCR test useless. It's like all of us have been saying all along, based on science that we had seen, um, and, and we've been telling you that a positive test does not mean you're sick or infectious or going to become sick or infectious. Um, here we have the experts agreeing these tests are useless and all of this fear is being driven. You know, a case just means a positive, they're saying a, a case is a positive test and that is just not the case. We've got all sorts of legal filings happening around the world. Amazing scientists and doctors and lawyers are stepping up. Um, people are asking for stays um, for anything happening with these vaccines because we don't know the data. We don't know the safety. There are some serious concerns here. Um, so, you know, keep watching our website. We continue to keep it updated. There's so much flooding in, but we're doing our best to get you at least the highlights of information. And you don't, I don't, I wouldn't want anybody to just say Bernadette said, right? She said on Inform Life Radio. Um, I, I, I tell you things, I encourage you to go to the website, find the links that um, go right to the, the original source. So you can go read the study, you can go read the paper, you can go hear the expert themselves say what I am passing on to you. If there has never been a more important time in history to be informed and not listen to talking heads like me or Fauci, just really read the information and I encourage you please go to thehighwire.com thehighwire.com because every Thursday at 11 o'clock you get about two hours of the most amazing interviews of the top science scientists around the world on COVID-19 all things COVID it's a fantastic show and it's all archived there you can watch past episodes the one this week is mind-blowing and it talks about some things I just mentioned as well as much more there's so much more here um, and the cool thing is if you sign up with um, the highwire.com every Tuesday after you know the the Thursday priors airing, you get an email with uh, links directly to all of the science discussed on that show, because they don't want you to just take their word for it either. We want informed citizens. Informed, knowledgeable citizens are what make a democracy strong. If we don't have that, you know, we're lost. We are lost. And so, with no further ado, I'm going to bring onto the show a woman who I just uh, you know. She, I'm so proud of this woman. She's like me. She's just, she's fiery, but oh, she is, she's so brilliant. She knows things that I, I wish um, that I knew. I mean, only if we could do this mind melt thing, but okay. Anyway, her name is Pamela Popper and she is president of the Wellness Forum Health, internationally recognized expert on nutrition, medicine, and health, founder and executive director of Wellness Forum Health. 
The company provides educational programs, extensive libraries of videos and articles, diet and lifestyle intervention, and assistance to consumers who are interested in regaining or maintaining optimal health. The company also offers professional development programs for health professionals who want to convert or start a practice focused on health instead of sick care. And amen to that. That's part of the revolution we need right here, right now. We need to move from sick care to health care. And our public health needs to get on board with this because right now public health spends billions of dollars every year on sick, um, aiming at disease and sickness instead of health. And, and, and health is how we resist disease, not injected products. Um, so Pam has been featured in many widely distributed documentaries, including Processed People, Making a Killing, and appeared in the acclaimed documentary called Forks Over Knives, which played in major theaters throughout North America in 2011. She's the co-author of a companion book, which was on the New York Times bestseller list for 66 weeks. Wow, I can't believe I haven't read that one yet. She's the author of Food Over Medicine, The Conversation That Can Save Your Life. She's featured as the lead expert in food choices, appears in diet fiction, and also in Code Blue, which was released in early 2020. She's the author of the companion books for food choices and diet fiction. And yes, all of us are going to have to go binge watch and binge read Pam Popper because, oh my gosh, she got some fabulous information here to guide us moving forward into a new healthy paradigm. I love this. Um, her newest book is COVID Operation, What Happened, Why It Happened, and What's Next, which she co-authored with Shane Pryor. Pam is also a lobbyist and public policy expert. She continually works toward changing laws that interfere with patients' rights to choose their health provider and method of care. She has testified in front of legislative committees on numerous occasions and has testified three times in front of the USDA's Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee. Pam is a straight-talking professional who is not afraid to criticize national health organizations, government agencies, medical professionals, pharmaceutical companies, agricultural organizations, and manufacturing companies, many of whom have agendas and priorities that interfere with, interfere with distributing truthful information and promoting health. Everyone who is interested in health should hear her speak. For some, their lives may depend on what she has to say. And with that, welcome, Pam. Thank you. Nice oh. to be here. Oh, wow. You just, you know, I this COVID chaos has been really uh, just crazy. But within it, the silver lining are the amazing voices coming forward and and getting to, uh, despite the censorship, finding audiences that never would have sought them out before. I feel like we've been given a little bit of a gift. I hate that anybody that's been harmed in any way from COVID or from the response to COVID. But, you know, what is that saying? Never, um, uh, always, whatever happens, use it as an opportunity. You know, I, yeah. I'm not wording it right. Never let a good crisis go to waste. Bingo, I, yes. you knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's great. So, wow, I don't even sure where to begin. Where, where would you like to begin? Can you tilt your camera down a little bit? We're getting you cut off at the chin a bit. Yeah, there, there you go. go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, maybe I'll just tell you to start how I got interested in COVID, how okay. this came about. So um, you read my bio. Thank you for all that. But um, we've been helping people with informed medical decision making for 25 years. 
And so part of my job has always been to um, investigate things, to report to our members. And, um, and then some of the things that I investigated and reported to members, I would um, put in my video clips and my newsletters and report to the public. So we've always given a lot of information away. And uh, an interesting thing happened in 2009 and 2010, and I'm sure you remember it. It's when we were all worried about the swine flu. Remember that? Yeah. And we were told, oh my gosh, it's going to be an epidemic. And, and uh, it was thought to have started in Mexico. We're going to test everybody who comes in from Mexico from vacation or immigrants, whatever, and make sure that they don't have the swine flu and hurry up and develop a vaccine. And and then a real interesting thing happened in um, uh, early 2009, and that was that the CDC and the World Health Organization um, instructed doctors in emergency rooms to stop testing anybody for swine flu. They said, just we're so overrun with sick people. What you got to do is just assume everybody's got swine flu and treat them and report it as swine flu. And that made me a little suspicious. And I thought, you know what's going on? The cases aren't being racked up. So they're having trouble. If that's the case, they won't be able to sell this vaccine. So they're going to make it so that everybody who's got a sore throat or a cough is now going to be a swine flu case. Sounds mm -hmm. familiar, doesn't it? It right? does. Very familiar. Well, I wrote a paper about it, actually. I put it in my newsletter, a long reference paper. And then um, along about a year, maybe two years later, Cheryl Ackeson at CBS News, Love back her. in the days when reporters used to like investigate stuff, um, she did a story on this. And, 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 um, and because CBS had a lot of money, uh, they went after uh, all of the state um, health department records on swine flu. And here's what, here's what it all came down to. There was no epidemic. Even people coming in from Mexico did not have swine flu. It was all made up. It turned out the feds had bought 93 million doses of vaccine, and they were intent on scaring people into getting the vaccine. Um, in the United States, there was not much fuss about it. In Europe, there was. And in fact, there were some hearings and... Um, some of you are familiar with uh, Dr. Wodarg, um, who's been outspoken about this. He, he wrote, wrote extensively about it. And he said that it cost the world $18 billion, which squandered a lot of resources. And a lot of people in the UK particularly died from the vaccine. So Margaret Chan, this is really interesting, who was director general of the World Health Organization said at the time, you know, nobody ever loses their job over this stuff. You get a slap on the hand. Oh, you committed fraud. The world lost 18 billion. Now that's bad, bad, bad. Don't do that again. I mean, it's just ridiculous, right? If you and I stole $18 billion. We'd be locked up for life. Well, anyway, they slapped her hand and she said this really interesting comment about pandemics should never go to waste. You know, they're great for reallocating assets and redistributing wealth and like a form of social engineering. You know, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great to just have a pandemic sometime? So um, I covered that. I said, you know, as it turns out, I was right about that. So when this started in, May in March, I, I knew right away something was not right with this. And I had thought for a long time that that 2009 and 10 thing was a dress rehearsal. So I made a video and I think it was like the first or second week in March, I put it up and, um, and the response was unbelievable. Um, mostly negative, I have to tell you in the beginning, um, not from our members. I mean, in the whole time that this has been going on and we do business in 33 countries, we have not had a single person ask for their money back or be angry with me who's a paying customer of ours, all right? Because our people know, they're suspicious of stuff anyway. But, but, mm -hmm. um, 
a lot of pushback. You know, you're going to do this is ridiculous. You're going to end up killing people because you're minimizing the risk. And what kind of crazy person would think that China would do something like this? And because I, I have a business in China, so I knew what was going on there too. And I, I pretty much put together early on that the Chinese had were behind this. So, uh, so that's how it started. So kind of in defense of myself, I thought I'll put some more videos up. And then it just turned into a full-time job, hmm. uh, making videos and writing a book and you know, starting an organization to try and get everybody together so we can get ourselves out from under the tyranny and filing lawsuits and all that. But that's how it actually started. I was doing my job, which is to report some information to the public, a whole lot to my paying members and clients and that sort of thing. And um, at, at that time, I knew something was wrong, but I had no idea it was going to turn into this. Yeah, none of us really did. At first, you know, we keep thinking, well, they're going to try this and this, and no way is anybody going to do that. No way. Yeah. And it's like, you know, now I'm like, I'm not stunned by anything anymore. No. But it, it, it took yeah. a while for me to realize they're really going to do this no matter what, no matter what the science says, no matter how, you know, stupid it is. And it really is shocking to me to see these so many people um, following along with the fear. It's really frightening that this can be done to so many people. And I try to give everybody grace because you and I entered this with a heavy dose of skepticism about public health, about pharmaceutical industry, um, about ultimate goals of you know some of the key players. We knew the history of these key players and what they have done and the mm -hmm. harm that they have done through their policies and their connections. But most people didn't, they don't. They were going to work and their kids were in school and at night they would turn on the local news station and they trusted what was coming their way. Mm -hmm. And if you were living in that realm and you hadn't had something personally in your life that had woke you up before that, I can imagine what we are saying seems very foreign to them, right? But even so we're gaining people because the yeah. absurd level and what they are attempting to do keeps getting so bad that they're looking to us going, but this isn't making sense. I'm like, no, right. it's not. Right. Well, I'll tell you, uh, when this started, there were three groups of people. And the third group is where we're picking people up. Okay, so we had people like you and I who knew something was wrong. Then we had people who bought it hook, line, and sinker and, and continue to, even though it makes no sense. And they remind me a lot, this group of people of the German citizens who became Nazi collaborators, not because they were rabid Nazis or they really hated Jewish people. It's because they were going along to get along and were really too not thinking enough to realize that when you ask Jewish people to wear a star on their arm, that this can't be good, right? Yeah. I mean, most, most thinking people would say that can't be good, but these people did not think and they went along and they became co-conspirators. Now there's a third group of people and you kind of alluded to this and this, these are the people who all of a sudden their world's turned upside down. They've got three kids home from school and they only have two computers and they've never done a Zoom meeting and their boss is scheduled a meeting for noon. And, and, and at the time it was so chaotic and some people just had all they could do to figure out how to deal with daily living you know, mm -hmm. under the circumstances. And I think that that group started waking up about three or four months ago, coming out from the disorganized chaos of it all and saying, what the heck is going on here? This isn't right. Mm -hmm. Now, I do think that we're picking up some of the first group, that, that group of people who bought it, because when they start, I, I know here in Ohio, when they started putting the signs up that you have to wear a mask in the park, 
that, that, that made a lot of people say, this is just insane. And, um, and I think another thing that has caught the attention of, of a lot of people is the fact that our rulers uh, do not um, uh, adhere to the rules that they make for others. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, um, the, the, uh, our Fuhrer, we have all kinds of names for him. Um, he tested negative and positive in the same day. So he chose the negative test because that le lets him lead, lead his life. Well, you don't get that option if you're a healthcare worker. Um, you know, uh, Gavin Newsom, Emperor Newsom having dinner with his friends, no masks, all sitting mm -hmm. close together at the French Laundry. And, and then who was it? The mayor of Austin decided to have a wedding for his daughter. And then they all went to Mexico on vacation together after he told everybody stay home and stay safe, you know. So the hypocrisy, I think, is starting to bother some people. There's something wrong when people, uh, the personal behavior is so disconnected mm -hmm. from what they're telling others. But we do have, and I, I, like you, try to show these people some grace, even though I think what they're doing is terrible. It would be fine if they just bought the story and stayed home, but these are the people that are wagging their fingers at people like you and I and screaming and hollering and, um, you know, you're killing people and all this kind mm -hmm. of stuff. They're rabid. They're rabid. They are co-conspirators. What I think is going to be very sad, and I will try to be as gracious as I can when it happens, is when this finally all does come out, and it's going to through the lawsuits that we've filed and that sort of thing and are continuing to file. Can you imagine being one of these people who bought this hook, line, and sinker, and you realize that it was completely false, but you not only did that, you disconnect, you, you ended friendships and, and uh, screamed and hollered at people and embarrassed people in the grocery store and wrote mm -hmm. letters to the editor. You know, can you imagine what you're gonna feel like? It's sort of like when the allies herded those people through the concentration camps who lived three miles away and had to smell the burning flesh mm -hmm. and, and just ignored it, okay? And, and the reason I use that analogy, and this is a statistic that will just floor you, but I can back it up. The Nazis slaughtered 11 million people in the death camps. The collateral damage from this, I'm not talking about people dying of COVID, I'm talking about children starving in Africa because the food supply chain is completely interrupt, interrupted now. And because these poor people living outside of Joburg in South Africa, they can't afford to miss three hours of work, let alone seven months of work. These people are just starving to death. Um, the suicides, the overdoses, the, the uh, people who didn't get medical care when they needed it, et cetera. So these people, think about the Nazis, I think they took six years to slaughter 11 million people. And these people have managed to slaughter more than that in less than seven months. Wow. Right. So I do use that. Uh, people criticize me for using that Nazi comparison, but I've chosen it carefully and I can back up that this is mm -hmm. exactly what the Nazis did. They're just going about it a different way. And people who are in the favor of these, these people. They are co-conspirators with people who are actually causing worldwide annihilation of innocent human beings. Yeah, it's the complete um, ignoring of the collateral damage of the response mm -hmm. is, it's criminal, it, it truly is. And throughout this whole thing, you know, as public policy director from Form Choice Washington, you know, trying to provide information I have worked every day to try to get information about effective treatment protocols out there because mm -hmm. whatever it is people are getting, whatever the cause, um, whether or not that PCR test was right or not, and probably not, but people are getting sick and they're not being treated effectively. 
and right. they're becoming more severe. So, but doctors have found a way for what people come in with certain symptoms and they're called COVID. They've got treatments and they range from nutrient to nutrient and drug treatments. Is that the cat saying? That's the okay. cat. <laughs> Let me get him. Hang on. Okay. Well, I'm going to keep talking because we're on the radio. So I guess I don't want dead air. So yeah, anyway, here, here, here we are. Oh, there this we go. Is, uh, this is Schroeder. Okay. Hi, Schroeder. Okay. So <laughs> he's happier. He's happier if his mommy's holding him. <laughs> all right. That's good. A little cats are good. Maybe we, maybe this, um, episode on, uh, on YouTube here won't be censored if we, if we have a nice cat in there. I'll just focus on the cat, but you know, so I've been focusing on that because I'm trying to help, um, dispel fear by having people, you know, you can treat yourself. You doctors know how to treat it. And there's a great website, healthyimmunitynow.org that is being kept up to date with the, the best nutrient and, and the case studies and the science and everything. And it ranges from nutrients, new drugs, HBOT, all of the things. We've got the tools. We don't have to panic. We don't have to shut down life. We don't have to starve children in poor countries. None of this has to happen. Um, I imagine you're familiar with the Great Barrington Declaration, yes. where tens of thousands of scientists and doctors and hundreds of thousands of citizens around the world, including me, have signed um, speaking to this exact point of mm -hmm. we're doing far more harm than good and it cannot keep up. But I don't see in certain states, the states that are heaviest led by and controlled by um, certain powers, especially like here in Washington state, it's the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation mm -hmm. through IDMA.org, IHME, the McKinsey Group. They're running the state. Mm -hmm. They're providing all the data, all the information, all the guidance, you know, mm -hmm. of what to do. And, you know, we know there's bigger goals. There's, there's, this cannot be about COVID. <laughs> no, it's not. They're well, destroying because... us for a reason. <laughs> right, because there's such a disconnect between the facts and and the response. There's yeah. just a, and and you notice that it, the censorship alone should really explain that there's something going on. In other words, you know, if you watch the mainstream media, the story that you get is a handful of fringe doctors are out there talking about talking crazy talk about this whole thing, mm -hmm. um, and um, and and so you mentioned the Great Barrington Declaration. You have tens of thousands of health professionals, many of them with very prestigious medical institutions and universities and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. These are, this is not a small fringe number of doctors. No. There are lots of health professionals who are very yeah. concerned about this and have spoken out. And if you've noticed anybody who's prominent, who speaks out immediately is relegated to idiot status. Right. So you can be a Stanford university, um, a tenured professor, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, John Ioannidis, I have never pronounced his name right, but you know, who I'm talking <laughs> I can't <about>. either. <laughs> Scott Atlas and some of those people who well published, I think Ioannidis was the, um, uh, the most cited uh, medical researcher uh, in, of all time mm -hmm. and, um, and very celebrated. Boy, the minute he started talking out, uh, talking about this publicly and disagreeing with public policy, all of a sudden he's not a virologist. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's right. an idiot. I mean, it's just, it's astounding. It, and, yeah. um, and part of the problem is the control of the message. You know, I mentioned that um, when uh, the other um, fake pandemic happened. Um, at that time, we still had some researchers or, or um, I should say reporters who were interested in doing investigative reporting. The media is so not curious about this. And we always counted on the media to keep government honest. 
you know, and expose yeah. government corruption. This is like the worst government corruption ever. And the media is their business partner, not holding them accountable. And this happened very subtly over time. And a lot of yes. people liked it when they were bashing the candidate nobody liked and that sort of thing. And now they're finding out they're going bankrupt and their kids are becoming functionally illiterate because the media does not report the news. Yeah. Um, We're going to take a quick break. When I come back, we come back. I want to pick up right there with the media. That is so important. So you are listening to an informed live radio on 1150 AM KKNW. We'll be back in a few minutes. Did you know that in 1986, Congress passed the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, granting liability protection to drug companies for injuries and deaths caused by their vaccine products recommended to children? Did you know injuries and deaths of pregnant women and their unborn children were added to the act in 2016? Did you know that on February 4th, 2020, drug companies who make COVID-19 vaccines were placed under the liability protection of the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act, known as the PREP Act? To learn the history of how we got here in order to protect yourself now and in the future, you must see the film, 1986, The Act. Go to 1986theact.com today. Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy, but we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today. Need information about your child's vaccinations? Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization of parents, family members, medical professionals, educators, and Washingtonians from all walks of life. They believe in personal freedoms and individual choices, including healthcare choices. Their mission is to advocate for vaccine policy reform based on scientific integrity and individual health needs, to promote education about healthy immunity, and to protect informed consent and medical freedom in Washington state. To stay informed, visit informedchoicewa.org. Informed Choice Washington envisions the future where every doctor is fully trained in identifying vaccine risk factors and recognizing vaccine injury. Every child is afforded a personalized approach to disease prevention, and every parent has the freedom to make the best healthcare decisions for themselves and their families. They know every child matters. Go to informedchoicewa.org today.
Welcome back to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager, and with me is the fabulous Pam Popper. I love her energy. I love her knowledge. Um, you know, this is what it takes. We need people to rise up and just stand up. You said something earlier, and it reminded me, you know, when one, they say that when one man or woman stands up, 50 more grow a backbone. And mm -hmm. So at first, you know, those arrows are, are pretty sharp at the first people who stand up, you know, we're all getting wakefielded. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, years ago, I decided it was a badge of honor. You know, if you get wakefielded, you're doing something right. Right, <laughs> and, exactly. And the more people that stand up, the less effective that is. Now they created the, um, the public figure to take down of Andrew Wakefield, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. they've used that um, attack on him very well for the past 20 years. If you say, well, gosh, the pertussis vaccine doesn't prevent transmission and colon or colonization transmission, somebody will say, you're an anti-vaxxer. You know, you just follow that Wakefield, right? He was discredited, you know. And I'm like, I didn't even mention MMR or, you know, I'm talking about the pertussis vaccine. And so, you know, that was used to silence and, and it, it happened, um, it worked very well. But what's really kind of cool about this COVID craziness is they're using their usual fear tactics, turning us against each other, labeling, smearing, everything that they do, but they're doing it in such an over the top way. And so many people are rising up and saying, I don't care what you say about me, I'm gonna speak truth. Mm -hmm it's beginning to fail, to crumble. Truth is going to win out. And I believe we will emerge from this better, stronger, safer, freer than ever. And so I'm very excited about that, but I don't know how ugly it's gonna get before we get to that, that goal. And so when we went to the break, we were talking about media. Mm -hmm. And um, I had in the past couple of weeks, I've had some local TV st stations reach out to me for interviews, you know, and you give the interview and I've learned to give good sound bites. But um, whereas in the past, one or two sound bites made it on air, um, they're not making it on the air anymore. It might get one little line in a print version, which anybody could have said you know, is annoying. Bernadette Pager says, we don't know long-term health outcomes of these vaccines. And that's all, the, that's all they'll give me. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and the, the rest of it is devoted to so-called disease experts, you know, who are telling you. So the, the last interview I got from this uh, TV station, as she was off to go interview experts, I said, I want you to keep in mind as you talk to these experts who are telling you that we need to get this vaccine, they're safe and effective, that they've only seen the press releases. They have not seen the data. So just keep that in mind with everything they're telling you. Anyway, okay. so yeah, the media, I mean, they, so, there are safeguards, right? I have, to, I have to tell you the funniest story about the media, but this goes to how bad it is, okay? So we have a terrible newspaper here called the Columbus Dispatch. I call it the Columbus Disgrace. It's been that for a long time. And it's gotten to the place where it takes, I, the only reason I subscribe to it is that um, I have to look at what the, the little emperor did yesterday. It takes me about three minutes to go through this god awful rag and you know, see what, what happened yesterday and then I can go on about my day. So Wednesday, last week, the day before Thanksgiving, the newspaper arrives at about 6 a.m. They put it on my porch 
And I go out and get it and I, I look at it, it takes about, it, actually just a, in a third of a cup of coffee, I could read everything in it, that's how bad it is. And it's all fake news, I mean, just amazing. Okay, so at about 6.05 or 6.10, another big bundle lands on my doorstep and I think, oh, that must be the ads for, um, for Black Friday, they forgot to deliver them with the newspaper. So I go out to the porch and I get it and I open it up. Now, in order to understand the significance of this, our newspaper is printed in Indianapolis and then trucked over here. So anything that happens after 10 o'clock in Ohio, like even a sporting event or whatever, it, it doesn't make the newspaper because it has to, they have to print it in order to drive it over here, however they get it to Columbus. So anyway, what I, what I get at 6.10 on Wednesday morning is Thursday's newspaper. All right, so this means on Tuesday night, they knew what the news was gonna be on Thursday, okay? And that's what we got. All right, so so isn't that nice? You 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 plan what the news will be, and then everybody can take Thanksgiving off, right? Isn't that great? The paper delivery people <laughs> and the printers can go home and have dinner with their family. I thought this is the ultimate. They're not even trying to hide that it's the fake news anymore. It's just wow. unbelievable. <laughs> so so that is just one example. And um, and if you look, everything in most local newspapers isn't local anymore. It all comes down from the top, so it's very coordinated. So mm -hmm. the, what we get is articles from the New York Times and the Washington Post. They all come from someplace else. And then the letters to the editor um, are always in favor of all the lockdowns and everything else. And then um, on the front of the the part that deals with like central Ohio living, they always have somebody who's catching up on cookie baking with their four children. And we like being at home. And yeah. isn't it nice that daddy doesn't have to go to work? And, you know, our utilities might be getting shut off soon, but oh, well, it's fun to bake cookies until they are, you know, that kind of ridiculousness. So anyway, it is the fake news. And the unfortunate part about it is that few people know it. And because Trump started calling it the fake news, it made everybody decide that that was a bad term. It wasn't going, anything that he said, of course, has to be wrong, including that. So well, anyway. For, for a while before the election, the best thing Trump ever did was to, you know, do Operation Warp Speed and start saying he wants a vaccine because then suddenly all the pro-vaxxers and, you know, I don't mean to get political with uh, Republican and Democrat, but the Democrats began saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. And mm -hmm. anything that he wanted, they didn't. So for a while, right. it looked like maybe we were going to get some caution. And But as soon as then they called the election for Biden, suddenly getting these vaccines fast is what they want, too. And right. shoot, it didn't last long enough. Well, but we may not be finished with the election. I have yeah. seen that we don't need to talk about that. But I no, wanted to okay. pick up on something that you said that I think is really important about this vaccine issue. You know, back when, uh, first of all, the name calling and, and putting people in camps, you're in favor of vaccines, you're an anti-vaxxer and all that kind of stuff. Um, that was starting to become a problem even before this happened. And I watched a video um, online and it was a committee and I cannot remember the name of the committee, but it's a, it's a World Health Committee committee, the real World Health Organization committee that meets on vaccine safety or something. Oh, and I think it was the vaccine um, confidence um meeting that they had, right? Yeah, might they be, talked about this, yes. Well, this this woman from Oxford said, we've got to stop calling these people names. She said, they're recruiting 500 to one. Every time they, they pick up 500, we pick up one person. They're not asking for something unreasonable. Of course, the rest of them did not really listen to her message, but, mm -hmm. but she really um, pointed out something that was going on, which was that um, we were gaining a lot of traction in, in terms of fighting this vaccine issue. 
Well, one of the things that stood in the way is the number of people who weren't impacted by the vaccine issue. In other words, somebody standing in their living room saying, well, it's those people down the street who have three kids that are worried about vaccines or, but my kids were fine. They weren't injured. Mm -hmm. um, or it's that nurse who has been talking to the hospital. She didn't want to get the vaccine. Well, I don't work in a hospital. I don't have to worry about it. Well, what's happened is they ma managed to make this about everybody now, mm -hmm. everybody. And now all kinds of people who might not have been part of the opposition are now becoming part of the opposition. So mm -hmm. like, like a lot of things, criminals and despots usually overplay their hand at some point in time. And then that mm -hmm. creates a great opportunity for people like us. And that's what they did now. Um, to, to the point about how people feel about vaccines, they're apoplectic because when they started closing the schools, which was a bad idea, as it turns out, um, people who don't enroll their kids in school don't have to worry about vaccines. So the vaccine uptake in some counties in the United States is under 40% right now. So they're coming so far from behind in, in this whole business of getting people to accept this. And um, if there's one thing that might throw this country into a civil war, it would be laying down, drawing a line in the sand and saying, listen, for you to leave your house, go to the grocery store, attend a concert or a function in society, you're gonna to have to have a vaccine. I can see a couple of militias getting involved. I'm not kidding either, that there's, there's enough passion about it mm -hmm. on behalf of people that just don't think that this should be forced, that it may be their undoing, part of their undoing. Yeah, it's it's scary times here, and I'm I'm we need to bring it out in the open. We all need to discuss it because we don't want it to lead to um, any sort of violence. Um, right. I think we could resolve this um, with enough of the uh, people standing up, rising up, bringing it forward. You and know, there's lawsuits. only. Yeah and, and yeah, and lawsuits, exactly. We need more lawsuits. I discovered something um, three days ago that really alarmed me. And I, I just want to run this by you. And it's something we all need to dive into. I've got some people looking really closely at, at the so-called research. We'll see. But, I, you know, I, always, I, I don't want to say it like that because we always have to keep an open mind. But, I, okay, here's where I'm going. There's a website and the address is world.org. What, what would you think a website with that very simple address, world.org? Hmm. Well, world.org is COVID-19 MMR vaccine protection. It's a website devoted to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine peer-reviewed published papers showing, supposedly haven't gone down the rabbit hole, the MMR vaccine protects against COVID-19. And there are one, two, three, four, five papers in preprint. There are two clinical trials and dozens of articles. Gates Foundation is mentioned on this page oh, in course. passing, um, but world.org. I mean, why not MMR for, for COVID? World, I mean, who bought world.org? They must have bought that years ago. I mean, that must be really a coveted address. Mm -hmm. And I'm a little frightened because here's what I see them wanting to do. Now that our federal government knows that the measles, they're, they're saying it's the mumps portion of that vaccine. Um, that is protective, high antibody titers to the mumps portion of the MMR. Now, we know that Merck has been on trial for fraud regarding the mumps portion of the MMR because they lied about efficacy. They had whistleblowers. Um, we're trying to figure out the outcome. We're pretty sure they lost. 
because they have gone to a place and I, I don't know all the legal terms, something about summary judgment, but all the documents are being sealed. And now mm -hmm. we're hearing nothing. I imagine Merck is going to the Fed saying, hey, you can't pull our license. Yeah, we were bad. We're sorry. But gosh, it was a good mistake because it turns out the mumps portion of that vaccine is protective against COVID-19. And it's a matter of national security that we keep that vaccine out there. In fact, it's so important. We think that you need to mandate it for everybody because it's been around forever. It's very safe, don't you know, because people have been using it since what this one is 1978 or something, this version was licensed. I could just see it being fast tracked as maybe a stopgap or a supplemental vaccine to help for COVID. And, and the reason I think um, the feds would consider going along with this idea is because they know the measles vaccine is waning. And if you've had two doses, it's 20 years out, about a third of people are fully susceptible to measles now. And a third dose does not boost. They don't know what to do. So what does the government do when it's lost for ideas? It keeps doing the same thing, but more of it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, hello, lockdowns and mask up. They don't know what to do. Although, okay, that's probably a bad example because they know why they're doing that, but um, other nefarious reasons. So anyway, check it out, world.org. I'm really concerned about what this means that legislatures all over are going to be asked to, to in every state to mandate the MMR. And it's just going to go along with all these other vaccine requirements that- Well, and the, and the only way we're going to get around this is to do what we're doing in Ohio. And we're exporting that now to other states. And that is, you have to challenge the source of the problem, which is the, the fake pandemic. Okay. You have to call it what it is. If we can get rid of the emergency declaration, prove that it's unwarranted, none of this has to be done. We don't need any vaccines. We don't need any masks. We don't need any school closures. We don't need any social distancing. And so um, the, the problem that we've had, and it's, and it's kind of what normally happens when you get chaotic, when you get thrown into chaos, like you and I were talking about earlier in the show, um, people just start like, we have to do something and you don't know what's gonna work and what's not going to work. But we now know clearly what does not work. And that is challenging the consequences, the things that they're inflicting on us, wear a mask, social distance, close your business. Because when you show up in court and you challenge that, you're right, your, your rights are being violated, but then the government shows up and says it's an emergency and the judge says you're right and they have a lot of power under the emergency mm -hmm. declaration. Okay, so what we did, what we did, did is walk into court and say, there is no pandemic. There is no emergency. This is a hoax. They, and, and they know it. And the officials are guilty of fraud who are participating in this. That's a pretty serious charge. Mm -hmm. But we submitted a 59-page complaint with 288 references and 627 pages of supporting documents to make our point. And we're getting ready to file it in the second state. And it is the only hope we have for freeing ourselves because it actually when we win these cases and we will and by the way we've won by filing because as you and i were talking about before the show started um ohio is not a great place to live right now but it's better than almost any place else that's affected by this because um the, the little emperor is a little worried about um and rightfully so about what we're doing because mm -hmm. if he does something really crazy he's likely to have a judge issue a temporary restraining order 
or something of that nature, because we made some, we, we continue, and we also continue to find case law that says that citizens can challenge the emergency. In fact, we found a statute in Ohio that says four months after, uh, or two, uh, yeah, four months after the emergency declaration, the governor is obligated to provide all of the data concerning the declaration and open it for public comment. So July 12th, he was supposed to do this and he didn't. We also found an Ohio Supreme Court case and a United States Supreme Court case that say that citizens have a right to challenge emergency declarations. So um, we don't know what's gonna happen with this lawsuit. And the guy said, the little guy is so unpredictable, he could do almost anything Monday, we don't know. But the point is that we should have been locked down a long time ago. He's been ginning up the cases with the fake test and everything else, but he's resisted doing that because he's concerned. So in a way we've bought ourselves a little freedom just by filing, but ultimately when we start winning these cases and we will, um, we'll get rid of the declaration and then gradually you can take apart. If there is no emergency, all these responses are, are unnecessary. We just stop doing it. Yeah. And as that word gets out, people will become increasingly hostile to any kind of restriction or mandatory vaccine or whatever, because they're gonna say, you have no reason to do it. There are tens of millions of people who already think that way. We'll pick up a few more tens of millions of people once this gets out. Yeah, and there yeah. goes the kitty again. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I and you know I feel like we're going to emerge from this. Really, you know, we're a very young country, and we've never really experienced on our own soil, um, you know, an attempted coup, a takeover before. Right. So we're a little naive, thinking that oh no, people wouldn't do that to us. They're just nice, you know. And and you know, this can't be a big conspiracy. Everybody would have to be involved, but that doesn't take. It only takes a few people at the top and everybody mm -hmm. else being willing to just comply mm -hmm. and to believe and not dig and probe and stand up when they find something exactly. that's not right. And, you know, our, our whole public health system needs to be completely revamped because it's run like a military. There's no checks and balances. Whatever they say at the top, you know, whatever you challenge down below, they say, oh, CDC says, CDC says, and it, you know, you, you can't run a country that way. You might run a military that way, but you cannot run public health that way. So, right. so many changes um, absolutely need to happen. I know here in Washington state, in fact, just a couple days ago, um, we forwarded to somebody in the state who's looking at legal matters, uh, your work in Ohio for them to look at as a model. And, and there's there's people doing stuff I don't even know about. I keep hearing like, wow, that group's doing that. It's fantastic. In fact, well, I just got- contact us. We're helping. Okay. We will help okay. you do it. Um, and this is something to that I really think is important to tell people. You know, we, we really have a, a very limited period of time to get our freedom back, to take our country back and this sort of thing. And my background is business before I was in healthcare. And one of the reasons my company has been successful is because of my business background, all right? And one of the things that we've done at Wellness Forum, we're very disciplined about doing about, I don't know, six or eight things really, really well, okay? We can't do 212 things, 500 different ways. We do six or eight things and we do them very, very well in a very routinized, organized way. And that's the only way we're going to overcome what's going on because the people who are behind this, they're very disciplined. They're doing a handful of things very, very well. Mm -hmm. So my point is this, all right? We are now at the place where we know that most lawsuits don't work. Thousands of them have been filed. Everybody's locked down. Petitions don't work. Um, letters to your congressman and all that, that doesn't work. Uh, protests are good places for people to meet people, but they don't make us free again. 
Um, contacting your legislator doesn't work. Trying to recall the governor doesn't work. None of that stuff has worked, all right? So what is working is when you get enough people, like what we did in Ohio that was very smart is we did a very good grassroots organizing type thing. And it got us to the place where we could raise money easily. Okay. I mean, I've just since the beginning of, uh, or the, the end of November, um, we've raised another $12,000 for our lawyer. And this is people giving five and $20. I mean, it's not hard for anybody, right? Um, you can support a legal challenge like this. So, so the point is that we're reaching out now, we're exporting what we're doing in Ohio that's working to other states. So you don't have to do it by yourself. And if your attorneys work with our attorney, you don't have to start from scratch like we did back in June, figuring mm -hmm. out how to file. Our lawsuits can be adapted to different states. And we are getting ready, uh, we have a group that's getting ready to file using our help in another state. It'll probably happen next week, very, very soon. Any day now, just putting finishing touches on it. Yay. So we're available to help in other states. So get the word out that you don't have to do this by yourself. I hold conference calls every Thursday at noon to show people how to get started because what everybody wants to do is just go hire a lawyer and, fi and file something. And what you really need to do is build infrastructure in your state, get everybody working together like we are here in Ohio. And you can really wreak some havoc. I mean, our little emperor is not happy. We've mm -hmm. even, um, uh, he, is, he is definitely worried about us. There are a lot of us out there. We're well-funded. We have a great attorney and, and that's a good position to be in. And it doesn't mean that our problems are solved, but I think people here have a feeling like they're in the process of being solved. Yes. Let exactly. us export yeah. that to Washington. Okay, you you bet. Um, after, you know, later on, we'll get in touch and we'll, we'll get you involved in all our people. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Um, we just have maybe one more minute here. Tell people where they can find you. Where's the best place sure. they should go? Well, first of all, I, I, my email address is pampopper at msn.com. I answer my emails, all right? I do. I put out a newsletter and four videos, five videos a week, all free information. You can email me and I'll get you signed up for that. Um, my company's website is, is wellnessforumhealth.com and makeamericansfreeagain.com is our advocacy website where you can find out about the Ohio complaint, what we're doing in terms of how we've organized ourselves. Um, you can email me to participate in a conference call and I'll show you how to do what we've done here. It's exportable. It can happen really, really fast. What we've done here has happened in like breakneck speed. Oh, that is so fantastic. Pam, thank you so much for joining me today. I might thank reach you. out to you to join me again in the coming days. Absolutely happy to do Friday. it. Um, and you know, one of the things you mentioned was rallies might not change anything. However, they bring us together and the yes. value of us coming together, our voices heard, finding each other, growing our mm -hmm. numbers. And with that said, here in Washington State, tomorrow, November 6th, in Olympia at the Capitol, join me and many others. We are going to be rallying there um, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. come rain or shine. So please find me there. I'm going to be there with banners and signs and information for you. So I would love to meet uh, any of you who show up there. Let's let's make a show of, of force that we are not to be toyed with. We are done. Right. We are proud Americans taking back our freedom. So. And it's an act of defiance and we need yeah. more of that. We yeah. need more of that for sure. We certainly do. So thank you so much, Pam. And thank you, listeners. You've been listening to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. Have a great weekend. Thanks. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. 
For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at healthyimmunitynow.org. That's healthyimmunitynow.org.